It is on season episode three of In the Tank. I'm Aiden Pearson, joined by Matt Germain. Today, we're breaking down a big series victory versus the bosses of New York, the New York Yankees. And then we'll preview a series of the incoming Texas Rangers led by two former Rays. Like I said, I'm Aiden Pearson, joined by Matt Germain. Matt, a series win for Tampa coming off the back of a sweep in Boston that they, they got swept in. They were really close to a sweep. They fell apart in the last inning there against New York, and we'll get into that. But you got to feel good as a Rays fan going into Texas. Yeah, the the Rays needed a a good series overall and and needed some positives to draw from, and they definitely brought it, especially the first two games. Even the third one, Honeywell was a highlight for sure, Um, but you're so close, so close to the sweep. It would have been really nice to get there. We'll talk about that Honeywell uh, uh, Honeywell appearance as well as Game 3 in a few minutes here. Let's go ahead and start with Game 1. A 10-5 victory. Big days there. Yoshi Sutsugo went 2-4. for four. Austin Meadows, 3-4. for four. Great day for him. Arosa Reina uh, went 1-5. for five. Uh, Yandy Diaz, 2-3 for three of some highlights. Uh, the whole lineup hit except for pretty much Brett Phillips. But it was nice to see Brett Phillips back in the lineup on the day he got called back. We'll start there and work our way around. Matt, were you happy with what you saw from Brett, Brett Phillips this weekend? Yes. Yeah. He's he's getting his feet under him, and I really like the at-bats that he had. Um, I I noted on Twitter that I thought he was swinging a lot harder than he ever has or that I've seen him. He, he's Before this weekend, what I'd seen from him was more of a contact-oriented approach where he's trying to make solid contact, drive it. This time, he was seemingly driving it to the fence and beyond if possible. So his, his approach at the plate has changed the same kind of way they did with Margot last year. So I think that's a notable thing to look for going forward is how aggressive he is with his swings. Let's also talk about the energy he brings to this team. No mm-hmm. knock against Kevin Kiermeyer, but Brett Phillips being a local boy, being what he brought in the playoffs, he brings a different kind of energy than I think anyone else does on this team, Matt. Yeah, it's really positive. And I don't know, you can't, we can't know what impact it had to the, the guys in the in the clubhouse, but they they seem to all have positive vibes, maybe a little bit of being home as well, but he, he just brings smiles to everybody's face. He, whenever you see the camera on him, guys around him are happy. So we'll talk good. about this in a minute here, but maybe it had a little something to do with Randy Rosarena's success in this series. Who, mm-hmm. who knows, you know, yeah. the two of them yeah. seem to be best friends. I mean, the, the yeah. dance battles, the signs and everything like that, but we'll get into that in a minute. Let's go ahead and first talk about the pitching. Rich Hill, six innings, four runs, seven strikeouts. Matt, I think every Rays fan on Twitter was pleased to see that that one start may have just been a fluke for Rich Hill, and he pitched yeah. really well. Yeah, I, I could smell this start coming. Just from his his demeanor on the mound the first time out, he was angry with himself. You could tell he was pacing a lot forward towards the catcher and back. Uh, he, he seemed to be saying to himself, I really wanted to show the fans what I could do, and I didn't get to do that. And then in this time around, he did. And, and I'm glad that he did. He had the one inning that he struggled with, but other than that, it was a really, really solid game. And, and I think when you look at him coming up now against Texas, you feel confident that he can get us the win this week. So uh, that's a great place to be. It, t- it answers a lot of questions the Rays had. Uh, and we'll get into the other guys after, but it really set the tone where it's not just Glass now and Yarbrough now. There's somebody else that's solidified his role. Outside of that uh, third inning, I believe it was, or 
yeah, the third inning where the Yankees scored four. The Rays look really good in that game. They look mm-hmm. defensively solid, which was something we talked about after the Boston series. And the whole team just seemed to be playing with this different type of energy. And, you know, as much as people dog on the trop, especially when the Yankees are down here, the trop was hopping a lot. And a lot of, I think the Rays really played off that energy this weekend. Yeah. No, they, they and I think they, I don't, I have no idea what, you know, drives a team to play better or worse. Sometimes it's just who they're facing. But I, I noted when we talked last, that they needed to jump on on Kluber early and, and get some positive things going. And when once they did that, you could tell the energy was just positive from then on. They're like, yeah, we're going to get to this guy. We're going to get him out of the game early. We're going to get to the pen early. And they did. So <laughs> it's great to see that. It hasn't happened enough yet this season. I, I agree there. Let's go ahead and jump to game two now. A 4 nothing win for the Rays. Brett Phillips had a double, Meadows with a homer, Arozarena with a homer, uh, RBIs from Arozarena, Meadows, and Mejia, who had two of them. Matt, this game showed why the pitching was dominant. When the bats come alive and give you enough runs, this was the most raised baseball game we saw. Yes, and what I liked is that a lot of the relievers showed up and, and made a statement. That, that was the reliever statement game is what I would call it that said, you know what? Yes, we have a lot of guys that have just went to the IL, but the Rays planned for this. They knew that this kind of thing could happen and they brought guys in to fill that hole when it happens. Guys like Jeffrey Springs had a great, great outing, just dominated. Uh, he's looking like a, a high leverage guy soon if needed. Uh, Hunter Strickland looked great. There's a bunch of guys that came out and basically... Uh, just showed some really positive things, even Chris Matza. So I, I'd like to tip my hat to them, even uh, in a tight game, being able to go through that Yankees lineup over and over again and, and make things happen. And I'd say bad news, but good news. Archer heads to the 10-day DL with a forearm strain, but all reports have said it's nothing serious. So I think that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's obviously sucks that he went to the IL, but it's a good sign that they say it's nothing serious. And just yeah. like you're tipping your hat to Jeffrey Springs, my hat's tipped to Andrew Kittredge. Mm-hmm. I mean, he pitched great. And I know a lot of Rays fans are not happy with Andrew Kittredge, don't like Andrew Kittredge for whatever reason. I have but no idea why. I, I don't either. I, I mean, I, you and I are both on Rays Twitter. Uh, I'm probably on a different side of it than you are. But a lot of fans I- are like, how the hell is he still on this team? You know, on Facebook itself, there, there are multiple groups that I'm a part of where multiple people are like, oh, crap, here comes Kittredge. But Kittredge has been great this season. He is one reliever we can rely on. And right now, with as many relievers as we have on the IL, this game, like you mentioned, it showed that we can rely on any single one of these relievers, and I'm happy about it. Right. And I think the, the Kittredge thing must come down to the high K rate. Everybody looks for the high K reliever. And, and he's not going to be that kind of guy, but he's a ground ball machine. And he showed that off, you know, really well this weekend. And I think it's, it's something that you need to have in your pen. It's really, really, really valuable to know that a guy's not going to make mistakes that are going to end up home runs. Number one, uh, he's going, not going to allow them to drive the ball often consecutively. Right. So even if he does get into trouble with one walk or one hit, he's able to get out of it with a couple of ground balls. So in terms of the raise defensively, 
the way that they play the game, he's a perfect guy to have in a pen. And he'll be really valuable this year. Exactly. And you know what I like to call this game, Matt? The Randy Arena hot start. Ah. I mean, he, this series, I mean, outside of game one, he looked really good. He went three for five, had a homer, uh, you know, struck out once, left two guys on base. But man, Randy is now getting hot, Matt. And, and we'll talk about what he did in game three. But you got to be happy as Rays fans. He was already hitting for contact, and now the power is coming back. And you're starting to see back to playoff Randy Arozarena, and you got to be happy about it. Yeah, that swag was coming back, and they need that. They need that threat in the lineup that teams hate to face. He has no holes. You can't throw him anywhere because he can get a hit on any ball that's near the plate. So that it was nice to see him drive a couple out and, and get uh, his bat to be – a little bit more feared going forward. I, I love to see it. And, you know, I know people say, look, you don't know what the correlation is. I think it's Brett Phillips. I, I, I honestly think, I, I mean, the two of them are best friends. They both came up around the same, like, obviously Randy, Randy came up just about when Brett Phillips came in, in the trade, they came around the same time, both outfielders probably spent a lot of time together in meeting rooms. You know, it's a great thing to see. And the fact of the matter is, Randy is rookie of the year eligible. Just saying, I, I, he's got to be the favorite and front runner right now. Yeah, Let's move over to- I, I don't think anybody would argue against it. They might have their own favorites, but he's among the, everybody's top three or five for sure. Exactly. Let's move over to game three of this series. Matt, do you want to start with the positives or negatives? Where, where would you like to start with this one? I would like to start with the, the plucking. If, if we can, because I think it's important. It's important because um, the Rays had to deal with this last year and they dealt with it expertly. They had the stable comment come out, come out and it was a marketing dream. But to nail uh, Austin Meadows in his first at bat, in the first inning, in the shoulder, it just, it, it's like a slap in the face. It's like somebody taking their glove off and smacking you across the face with it. And the Rays have to answer back. Now, I don't think they need to pluck anyone. I'm not saying that at all. But they need to show Aaron Boone and the Yankees on Friday when they go to Yankee Stadium. I would pitch the first 12 to 15 to 20 pitches inside <laughs> as close as I can get to their players. I don't care if you walk the bases loaded in the first inning. You keep driving that ball inside, and if they want to put their arms across the plate, they can. <laughs> They'll end up with a couple of injuries, but you've got to make a statement without getting yourself fined or thrown out. Or because if this keeps going, it's going to keep it's going to distract the Rays from baseball, and that's exactly what the Yankees are trying to do. They're trying to get the Rays to think about what's going on between their pitching and their hitters instead of how the Rays play the game with, which is loose and goal happy. And, and that's what drives them. That's what gets them to play their best baseball. I, I just, I think what the Yankees need to do is, is self-reflect because this looks bad on them. It's completely unprofessional. Yes. It's some people will call it old school baseball BS. Go away. We don't need that kind of baseball where you're plucking guys just because you're angry, your guys aren't hitting, and you just lost two games to the Rays. That's Bush League. Like, if a guy showed somebody up, that's different. That's that's, that's old school baseball that's kind of 
valued in the game a little bit, right? Where you're kind of saying, don't show me up because you've made a, a bat flip 20 feet up in the air. The Rays aren't doing that. They're just playing baseball. They're playing solid baseball. So what's the problem? But let me put this out there. As much as this is on the Yankees and not taking away from the Bush League they did, this is on the umpires too. This yeah. is on the umpires as well. Explain to me how the Rays don't hit a batter and you're going to issue a warning. They hadn't even come really that far inside. Austin Meadows gets hit twice. And then a ball that bounces six inches in front of Gary Sanchez. You're going to tell me that hit? Plus the absolute tomfoolery of the strike zone by Marty, by Marty Foster on Sunday's game is absolute crap. Marty, the, the whole weekend the umpiring was suspect. But I hate to use that as an excuse. But explain to me how guys like Angel Hernandez and Marty Foster, when they are consistently this bad, still have jobs in Major League Baseball. When I can tell you there are 30, 40, 50 umpires in the minor leagues who can do a better job than those guys can. Well, obviously, it's the whole thing like the tenured professors sort of thing where they can't fire them. So it, it's ridiculous. It absolutely is. But I would go even further. The, the Austin Meadows got hit again, and they still didn't throw up Montgomery. At that point, mistake or not, he should have been out automatically as soon as he hit him the second time. And yet nothing happened. That, that to me, was, was um, so blatantly New York-centric that, that it, it's actually a little bit sickening. And uh, to be quite honest, it, it's, it deflates the image of all of Major League Baseball when this kind of stuff happens. And, if, and we won't even get into the calls that go to New York and consistently go against the Rays, whether they're playing the Red Sox, New or, York, or everybody else. Like, even, that's just freaking ridiculous on top of it. Let's even get into how shitty New York was in the game versus Philadelphia and Atlanta. Alec Bohm never touched home plate. And you're telling me you're calling him safe? Like, if this is not proving what kind of a joke replay is right now, you brought it in to help the game. And right now, all you're doing is hurting the game. And it is absolute Bush League, Matt. Yeah, it's got to go to an independent organization. Not baseball. It has to be away from MLB. And it has to be somebody that's going to apply the rules the way that they're stated with – out even knowing which teams they're looking at, if need be. They just get to see the play, and you blur the freaking uniforms if you have to, <laughs> and they make a judgment call based on what that is. It should be impartial. I just, because if not, it's just, it makes fans angry for all the wrong reasons. It really does. Now, we could go on for this for hours, but let's go ahead and move on here. <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to a positive, however. Yeah. Brent Honeywell. What a performance by the kid. I mean, 21 pitches, two perfect innings. I know they're trying to bring him back slow. I wish they would have let him keep going. Oh, so bad. We, we got a taste. We got like, you, if, if you were sitting there at a restaurant and you're like getting that seven course meal where, where you're, you're going to get a little taste of all over the world with like the amuse-bouche between them and yeah. You're getting the taste of what Honeywell could be. And if the Rays right now are looking at Honeywell and looking at the playoffs and going, oh, my God, if we can get him and McClanahan and Patino all set for the playoffs, the Rays are unstoppable. I'm Hold sorry. On. Imagine there, there's just imagine yeah. this pitching staff real quick. Tyler Glass now takes the ball game one. Ryan Yarborough takes the ball game two. Rich Hill takes the ball game three, okay? In the bullpen, Shane McClanahan, Brent Honeywell, Luis Patino, 
Josh Fleming, Diego Castillo, Peter Fairbanks, and Nick Anderson. Who is stopping that pitching staff? You're getting Drake back too. And you're getting, you're just, there's a whole plethora of guys, but I'm talking about guys that can show up in the biggest of games. Game seven, when we saw Nick Anderson come out tired because there was nobody else that they wanted to throw out there, sorry, in game six, now they're going to have even more bullets. They're going to have a Jeffrey Springs. They're going to have, but what Honeywell brings, even if he's not a full starter by that point, is somebody that can walk up against a lineup like the, the the Yankees or the Dodgers or whoever it is that they face and shut them down to start the game for the first three, four, five innings, whatever he's going to give you, he's going to shut them down and frustrate them so that then the pressure is on them to perform near the end of the game. And, and so I'm just really excited by that. But just to walk it ahead and, and slow it down a little bit, I know they sent them down. They're not going to bring him up until like full term until they're really ready. They think he can go four or five innings if need be, but just the, the stuff and the fact that it was moving, it was dancing. He was painting the, the, the corners. He was hitting the glove wherever it was set. That alone for somebody under as much pressure as he was, he knew he was under the microscope. Every single per- race person was behind him and watching exactly what he was doing. And he came out and just lit it up. That is exciting. That well, is so I mean, exciting. He went to he went to Cash after that second inning and said, "Let me get a third. And Cash is like, "Uh-uh, no, 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 no." He wanted to keep going. And I mean, they panned the camera to him a bunch, and you just saw him and Tyler Glass now sitting there with the biggest smiles on their face, yeah. just loving life. I mean, it's so good to see Matt, and I'm so happy for him. Like, uh, above all else, I'm just happy that he finally got that major league debut. And if he pitches like that, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the league. Man, Look, healthy. Oh, it's going to be a great season. <laughs> Such a great season. I'm going to complain here for a minute, Matt. All right. Michael Man, Walker in the third inning looked like oh. dog crap. It was one inning. One but, inning. But then his other three were great. But that yeah. one inning was not great and you know what it is one inning and i know maybe if they use him as a real starter they might not have this it was the cutter wasn't cutting that's exactly exactly all the pitches that he ended up getting in trouble with was the cutter not behaving the way it was supposed to and that'll happen with guys sometimes and he's limited in the breadth of pitches that he has i still think he should add a splitter to be honest i think it would give him that extra pitch to stay out of trouble but that cutter just wasn't it was just like staying up and straight. And after you've seen Honeywell and his ball dancing all over the place and you get some, something straight, well, you're just going to light it up. That's, and that's exactly what happened. When is this Colin McHugh experiment going to be over with? Oh, I don't think they've used Colin McHugh correctly. And, and I've said that from the beginning. Every time I think he's supposed to come into a game, he doesn't. He should be the guy that comes in middle, not the end, middle. He's not a closer. He's somebody that that once you have Rich Hill in the game, a lefty or Yarbrough, you throw McHugh out there because he's a righty with a different look. That'll work. If you try to put him in after you've had a couple of right-handers out, the guys are just going to go, well, this is easier stuff to hit, and they're going to hit it. And then so I I think they're, they're not setting him up for success in the way that they're using him. But I think, to their credit, that a lot of the injuries have a lot to do with that. They don't have the luxury of Fairbanks, Anderson, and those guys right now. And so they can only put, you know, um, 
Castillo out so often. They've already used, they're on pace to use Castillo right now, 75 to 80 innings, depending on how you want to paint it. They can't do that. They can't burn him that much after having gone to playoffs last year. So they're going to need him to figure it out and, and work his way through it. But personally, I would swap the rules they've used him and Kittredge. I would use Kittredge where they have McHugh working, and I would use McHugh earlier in games. Look, I was happy with what I saw yesterday up until the last three innings of that game. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, we looked really good. We looked set. I was happy with how the pitching staff threw outside of that inning with Waka and outside of how McHugh threw. You know, great job by Zanino to hit that home run. The, the team looked pretty good. Yes, it sucks not to get the sweep, but we're on to New York at this point. That game's mm-hmm. a wash. We're on, to New- we're on to Texas. Yeah, Texas should be a fun series, to be honest. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a much more relaxed affair overall. There's no uh, tomfoolery in there. There's just two teams like working hard to improve themselves and improve certain things. They're in different scopes in terms of competitiveness. Um, but there's a lot of, of interesting players that I know the Rays will be scouting closely <laughs> for, the, for the trade deadline. So Matt, let's go ahead and preview that Texas series. Let's start game one. Tonight on the mound, Dane Dunning, uh, former White Sox prospect, brought over to Texas, going against Tyler Glass now. A fun little pitching performance there, huh? Yeah, I think that Dane Dunning is is one of the guys I own in all my fantasy leagues, to be honest. And I've been a big fan of his for a long time. Normally, I would pick him up in the middle rounds when guys had forgotten that he got hurt and was coming back. So I picked him up in that way. But I was always a big fan of his uh and, and, and I think that Texas did a really good job in identifying him as one of the returns for, uh, for Keiko or sorry, Lynn. So uh, I think they, the Rays are going to be in tough. They're going to have to figure out ways to score a couple of runs, but I think they can manage it against him. Um, he's just, he's had a lot of success so far, so it's not going to be easy uh, for them to get a few runs across for sure. Exactly. Then in game two, Kyle Gibson going against Ryan Yarborough. Yarborough looking to bounce back after a rough outing in Boston. Mm-hmm. I think if there's a game for him to do it, it's this game. Yeah, he's set up for this roster, to be honest. He's going to frustrate the crap out of him. <laughs> and and I think uh, I'm expecting a, a decent outing from him, like maybe two or three runs max, maybe five to six innings. Um, and I think the, the Rays, like, don't look at Kyle Gibson's stats because his first outing, he didn't make it out of the first, had a really rough time in his first outing, but his second time out, he dominated the Jays. Uh, didn't allow us a run against them. So don't look at his first start. He's going to be tough. Uh, it's not going to be an easy game. And I think the, the Rangers are hoping that he can steady their rotation uh, and then maybe become an interesting uh, trade piece. So look for that. Like if, if they get into trouble health-wise, they could be looking at starting pitching. He could be one of the guys that they look at. Game three sees Rich Hill go against Kohi Arihara, a Japanese prospect. He's got uh, nine innings so far, own one with a five ERA. Rich Hill coming off of a good start against New York. You got to be happy with what you're expecting there. Yeah, it's going to be a fast game. That, that's the game where I did neither of them walk many guys. They throw strikes. They like to contact, uh, get contact. Uh, I'm expecting a really quick one on Wednesday. Game four, Jackie Robinson day. We'll see, we'll see Jordan Lyles face against the to-be-determined pitcher for the Rays. My guess is we'll probably either see McClanahan, Patino, or Fleming. My guess is probably Fleming step in there in that spot. 
I'm going Richards. I think you, you're going to you see Richards? Trevor Richards. Yeah. It's either going to be, it's going to be one of the guys who we saw last season who can eat a bulk of innings. Right. I, I just the think only- the Rays are, are really looking at the service time issue with, with their top guys. The, and so they will be wanting to push them as far back as possible. The only real, the only reason I think that we'll see Fleming is because that Texas lineup doesn't hit left-handed pitching all that well. <laughs> They're horrible against left-handed. Exactly. So that's why I'm thinking maybe you go Fleming. Yeah, um, but you've got two lefty uh, lefties before that. So you've got Yarbrough and Hill. So you could triple it up if you want to. There's a possibility they go with Fleming. For, for sure, he deserves it. <laughs> that's I don't think anybody would contest that. Uh, but I think when, when you're looking at their, their willingness to burn years, I think Richards fits more in that mold. That's why I'm going with him. Yeah, yeah, I agree there. Let's go ahead. So we just sort of previewed the Texas series. Matt, let's go ahead and look ahead at the stats so far this season for the Rays. I got to think right now your team MVP has got to be either Joey Wendell or Randy or Rosarena. Joey Wendell of 348 in seven games. He's got eight hits, uh, a homer, seven RBIs. Randy Rosarena, two homers, five RBIs, one walk, 12 strikeouts, and hitting 314. The two of them together, as well as Francisco Mejia, the three of those guys have really come out and been really strong so far to start this season. Yeah, I, I mentioned Francisco Mejia being a game changer for this lineup, and everybody laughed at me on Twitter. I was like, dude, he's a real hitter. He's a very, very above-average hitting catcher. So don't be surprised if he's among the, the higher war guys when it comes to overall play uh, when, at, behind the plate because he's, he can hit. And the more Cash gets used to him hitting and, and liking it, um, he's going to get – a lot of playing time. I want to touch on Wendell though. Like when, when Kevin Podlow was, was going up against Chapman, I was very angry that Joey Wendell wasn't brought in. I know it's a lefty on lefty matchup, but Joey Wendell has two hits off Chapman. He's hot. He's a guy that's come up big in clutch moments. I know cash might've been thinking Podlow could get his first hit and drive in uh, the game winning run as his first hit against the Yankees and Chapman. And he's a guy that usually succeeds against left-handed pitching. But if I'm going for the win, and I've seen what Joey Wendell has done so far this year, I would have put Joey Dub in there for sure. I just wanted to mention that. I agree right there. And, you know, Padlow has struggled a little bit, and we talked about this. You said that you think it's similar to what Nate Lowe went through when he came up, uh, just being a little too selective, just needs to start trying to hit the ball. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. He's got to learn to protect the stri- the, the strike zone. The, the, the calls that he thinks are close, they're, they're going to get called a lot of times because of reputation. So he can't sit back and, and wait for the pitch that he's looking for. And, and he'll learn that over time. And for a bigger guy with a little more power, he showed some speed yesterday chasing Brett Gardner down the line. I was very yeah. happy with that. He's got good speed, man. He's he's a 15 to 20 stolen base guy if he gets enough playing time for sure. I agree. Matt, let's go ahead and move over to picks to click. Let's go ahead and break down last week. You had Rich Hill. I had Chris Archer. Rich Hill came out on top there. You had Randy Rosarena. I had Francisco Mejia. Randy Rosarena definitely had a better series than Francisco Mejia, but Mejia did play well in his one game that he did get used. Opponent-wise, you had Aaron Hicks. I had Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela had a better series, so I get a point there. We both said the Rays were going to finish 2-1, and one, so that's a wash. 
and we both uh, and our special, how many runs would they score in game one? Both of us were off. You had four. I had five. So we'll go ahead and take that one away. So Matt is going to be up one nothing in the series. Uh, each series, we'll go ahead and give you an update on the record. Now, Matt, here is one rule on pick to click that I am going to implement starting this week. All right. You cannot have a repeat of the same hitter or pitcher. That's from fair. week to week. That's so, like, fair. you can't pick Randy or Rosarena or Rich Hill this week. I can't pick Archer or Mejia, which I don't think I was p- picking uh, Archer right now against the series in Texas. <laughs> so, Matt, we're going to switch it up this week. I'm going to start pitcher. You're going to get the first pick of your hitter, as uh, we did it the opposite way last week. I'm going to go ahead and take my pitcher. I'm going to go ahead and try and back my boy this time against Texas. I'm going to take Ryan Yarbrough. I think he's set up for a really good series against Texas. I think Texas struggles to hit left-handed pitching, and I think uh, this is Yarbrough's time to bounce back and shine after a rough outing in Boston. Hey, that makes sense. I, I don't blame you at all, and that leaves me with Tyler Glass now because I can't take Rich Hill, and I don't know who's throwing in the fourth game. So <laughs> by default, I'll take Tyler Glass now. Hey, you oh, know, the horror. It was going to be those two guys where one of the two was going to come either way. Matt, <laughs> let's go ahead and take a look. Who do you have as your breakout hitter for the series? Who's going to have the best hitting performance for the Rays this series? I think this is the series Brendan Lau comes through. I, I think that he's uh, the anger that he had. He looked at the umpire this weekend and you could see the fire in his eyes where he was like, I'm getting sick of these calls. <laughs> And I think it really made him snap. And then he got a really big hit. I think he's ready to break out. So I'm going to go Brandon Lyle. I'm going to go ahead and go with also an outfielder. Um, You're probably thinking Randy Rosarena. But no, I'm going to take Manuel Margot. I think Margot, this is a good series, a good pitching matchups for Margot to break out here. And honestly, I want to save Randy Rosarena for New York. (laughs) I don't blame you. I'm thinking two steps ahead. Um. Now we're going to go ahead and go with opponent that's going to give the Rays a fit. Going to give the Rays a little toughness there. Matt, you can have the first pick on this one. I'm going to say Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is just, uh, he seems like, I I personally think he wants to get traded out of Texas, but (laughs) he's playing really well defensively. He seems focused. I think he's... uh, He's ready to have his breakout year, even and in terms of the line that he puts up, not just in terms of all his overall play. So uh, I'll go Joey Gallo. I think that's a great pick. And, you know, you hear a lot of reports about where he wants to go, stuff like that, yada, yada, yada. My guess is, you know, I'd love to see him here in Tampa, but I know he's a high strikeout guy. Mm-hmm. So there's no, you know, there, there, you can't, you can't expect it. You know what I mean? If yeah. that makes sense. So. Exactly. It would be nice to see him in Tampa. I think he would fit in well here, to be completely yeah. honest with you. But I can understand why they're not going to go with it. Matt, I'm having a little bit of toss-up in my head of who to go with here, to be completely honest with you. Um, <laughs> it's For me, there are so many different options. Not really. But I'm going to go ahead and go with the shortstop, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah Kinder-Falefa. I think he's yeah. going to have a good series. I do want to go with Nate Lowe or Nick Solak, but I just don't think they do it. I think Falefa has a good series. Yeah, it's smart not to go with Nate Lowe. Nate Lowe so far this year is two for 15 against left-handers. Um, he, <laughs> he's not doing that great against them. Now, he is dominating right-handers, uh, but his last seven games, he slowed down to 208, uh, 296. So uh, I think... 
he's not uh, the hottest of hitters right now. And Nick Solak has been down for a while, yeah. uh, even middle of 2020. I, I don't think his bat's been anywhere near the same as when they first traded him. Yeah, I agree. Matt, now we're going to go ahead and go to the record for the series. Not knowing who's pitching game four scares me a little bit. So I'm going to go with the Rays winning the series, taking three out of four from Texas. I'm exactly the same way. Yeah, I think uh, there, there's some danger that Tyler Glass now could have an off day uh, because of the their prowess against right-handers. And depending on how the pen you know, pulls it up behind them. But other than that, I think that the, the series should be, you know, solidly three to four for, for the Rays. Hopefully they don't underplay. <laughs> Matt, now it's time for our special one of the week, the tiebreaker of the week, if you want to call it that. Uh, this is sort of just a fun one, a special one, uh, different one than you would normally expect. Matt, game one, how many hits do the Rays have as a team? Ooh, against, against your boy I'm Dane Dunning. Go with nine. Nine hits. And that's for the whole game, right? Not yep. just against the starter. Right. I'm going to go with, I think they're going to come out with eight hits. I, I'm thinking eight. Oh, now, is this like the price is right? <laughs> no, go. no. It's whoever's closest in general. It's it's closest yeah. in general. We're, we're not going closest without going over. Come on. Come on. <laughs> That's all good, man. So, you know, 10 hits, you get it. If only seven or less, I get it. So That's right. <laughs> it, it'll be a fun one. Matt, let's go ahead and let's just do a quick whip around the league. I want to ask you, we've got five quick hitting questions that both of us are going to answer. Yeah. Let's start with this. Who is your way too early NL Cy Young pick? Oh, it has to be Jacob DeGrom, but he's not getting any support, man. That's ridiculous. Like the Mets are just, I don't know what's wrong with the organization and, and why they can't piece a freaking team together that makes sense, but they've got to make a couple of changes in there because there's something not right in that organization. I don't know what it is. Francisco Lindor should not be doing as badly as he's doing. Neither should a lot of the guys in their lineup, but. Yeah, I have to go with the Grom. You'd be crazy not to. I, I have to go to Grom too. I mean, that was this is a softball question. All right, let's go to question number two. Matt, favorite uniform we've seen this season? Oh, that's a good one. But in all of MLB, it doesn't just have to be Tampa. Oh, I love the Jays powder blues, personally. I, I think they're they're just they're so different than anybody else's. I know the Phillies have a similar one. But I'll go with Jay's powder blues. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Braves home throwback they wore last night. Oh, I really like yes. that. That's so simple. That it's yeah. simple, but good. Mm. Acuna really looked nice. great in that. Acuna also. Also, for all the people who say Acuna don't hustle. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> he is not Machado. <laughs> no, no, he is definitely not Machado. Question number three to you, Matt. Matt, this week, I don't know how big of a video guy video game guy you are but MLB the show the MLB video game that everyone plays comes out this Friday Matt how many copies do you think they're going to sell of it this year mind you this year is the first year it's both on Xbox and PlayStation I'm the worst person to ask for that I don't pay attention to sales of video games at all I'll say uh, how in how long they sell between before when no so they continue to sell but that will sell up to Friday Friday is opening day of it. Okay. So on Friday, how many they'll sell on Friday? Yeah. 
I'll say 1.2 million. I'm going to say 3 million, just about. Okay. I think you're, I think you're right in there, right in a good area. All right. To, to give you reference, it's been available to pre-order since March 1st. And there's over, over 13 million copies pre-ordered. Oh, wow. It's huge. It's a huge game. It's huge. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and move on to question number four. Matt, who do you think, or I shouldn't say who do you think, what manager is currently on the hot seat? Aaron Boone. I, I'm sorry. And I know it's not his fault. It's Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone. If I were the Yankees, I would fire both of them. Just because, uh, how do I say this? There's a certain, you, if you're the Yankees, you shouldn't have to have a closed door session every freaking year to get your lineup to show up and your roster to play the way they're supposed to. And it seems to me like they do. And they're playing Bush League stuff. You never saw um, the Yankees have to stoop down to the levels they've had to recently, especially against the Rays. And I know they're frustrated because the Rays are, are kind of like, there's a pebble in my shoe, right? And, and so it, it's not just that. It's that Brian Cashman built a bad roster and, and Aaron Boone is having to work with that. And I get that he can only do so much with the pieces he's been given, but I think ultimately he's going to be the scapegoat for Cashman and that he's going to wear it. Basically, that's how it comes down. I agree. I think the other manager that's on the hot seat, I'm going to go ahead and flip the other way, the other league. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go there to the New York Mets manager. I think if he doesn't start doing something, he was obviously the second choice to Beltron. Beltron wasn't brought in. I think he's got to be on the hot seat. If he doesn't do it with the money that Steve Cohen gave him and the team that was brought in, it's going to be hard to, to keep your managerial job and they will find someone who can do it. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. New York. So it's New York on the hot seat. New York's on the hot seat. Matt, our last question, and then if you have any hot take questions you want to ask, please feel free. But my last question that I want to ask is, Matt, what game are you most excited for this week? Um, I would say the, the fourth game uh, against the – well, does this include the weekend <laughs> against the Yankees? Here, we'll put it, we'll put it this way. Monday through Friday, who's the best? Who who are you looking for? What are you looking forward to? The first game in New York, for sure. I think it, it's going to be uh, an interesting, you know, crowd. It's going to be an interesting uh, ambiance. Uh, there'll be a lot of chit chat before the game. So I think it's going to be, even though it's not what I want to watch baseball for, I think that that emotion-driven baseball is so high end that, that that's going to be the game you want to watch that that is definitely a good choice of game matt i actually <laughs> want to go a different way okay that i think some people might find pretty cool some people might find a little different i'm gonna go ahead and go to the game t- tonight casey mize versus zach granke on the mound in houston Hmm. That the old school versus new school, Mize is coming out. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch. Yeah, no, for sure. And Granky's been uh, he's been interesting guy to watch this year. Uh, he's got a lot going. I think the other game that people would be excited for is uh, Phillies Mets tonight. 
Um, right. That that whole series is going to be a fun. I wanted series. to ask you about Trevor Bauer and what you thought his situation with MLB is the investigation and oh you're the only pitcher that we're investigating balls for after we oh decided to put in this rule and, and actually apply it this time. You know my feelings about Trevor Bauer. You know yeah. what I think about him. But I want to know what you think of MLB investigating him and only him. He 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 brought this on himself. And the way I'm going to say this is he put out multiple series of tweets talking about how the RPM works when you use a foreign substance, okay? I get that other players do it. That's fine. But when you put out a tweet and put a target on your back like that, saying that, hey, it increases by 300 RPM, and then magically your next start, it increases by 300 RPM, you're literally painting a picture of yourself to say, hey, look, I'm here. And you know what I found most interesting about the whole thing? What's that? I think this is the first time ever we've heard Trevor Bauer decline to comment. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I don't think he can while the investigation is going on because it would take in, it would be taken out of context by MLB and everybody else. But I, I want to say that that's fine. You can do what MLB is doing to Trevor Bauer, but you've got to investigate the guys that were on that list that, that the, the trainer gave to MLB and said, these guys are taking substances. You know, you're talking about Jared Cole. You're talking about a lot of high-end pitchers. You've got to investigate their balls as well, right? And that's, you can't look at historically on their case because they've probably been using it for three, four, five years. So that that's why I find it intriguing is that it's only Trevor Bauer so far that we know of anyway. Exactly. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Stay tuned because this week, because we've got a four-game set, we're going to put out an interview we did before the season with none other than St. Pete Nine and former WDAE host Steve Carney. That interview will be coming out either Tuesday or Wednesday here, so make sure to stay tuned for that. Listen to that. We'll be back Friday with our preview of the New York series, round two. We'll also break down what happened here against Texas. Matt, any final words before we head off? No, I'm hoping they give it to the Rangers and get back above 500 comfortably. Matt, also, last, last real quick thing. Give me one name that everyone should pick up in fantasy baseball right now. Oh, that's a good one. Who did I pick up recently? You're going to have to throw yours out there first, and I have to think about that. You're My throwing team. me for a loop right now. Fair enough. My guy who you should pick up in fantasy baseball or at least look at picking up in fantasy baseball, depending on how much he is rostered in your league, Hunter Dozier is coming off of day-to-day. He's rostered on ESPN in only about 60% of leagues. He's a great pickup. He's going to get a lot of at-bats in that Kansas City lineup. He's a good guy to watch out for. Yeah, I think my guy would be more obvious, and it was Jazz Chisholm. I had him stashed in a lot of leagues, and a lot of leagues might, you know – if they're shallow, he might not be on the rosters. So that's one guy definitely to target and trade. And I think he's going to be elite from what we've seen. His, the way he's able to come around on anybody's fastball is just, it's been eye-opening to say the least. You love it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. For all of us here at In the Tank Format, Jermaine, I'm Aiden Pearson. So long, y'all. Hopefully, we come back to you talking about a Rays series victory. Make sure to stay tuned for that Steve Carney interview that'll be coming out later this week. Raise up, fans. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.